0: You are traveling through another dimension, a dimension not only of sight, but of mind. A journey into a wondrous land whose boundaries are that of imagination. That's the signpost up ahead, your next stop, The Tone Zone. And welcome to the Tone Zone. I am your host, Anthony Mullen, and I got a very, very special episode for you today. We are talking about the hit HBO show, Euphoria, especially its ongoing second season. And I am pleased to be joined by two of my great friends, two guests. Natalie Bovin, how are you doing? I am doing wonderful, Anthony. How are you doing? Couldn't be better. (laughs) And Gracie Woodall, how are you doing? So good. You guys ready to talk euphoria?
1: Yes. Hell yeah.
0: Now, before we uh, get into the meat of this episode, I just want to kind of break the ice and go around and just ask you guys, what have you been watching? Anything sticking out to you?
1: Yeah. So last night I saw licorice pizza. Oh, so good. And, you know, I had a different opinion. Um, I thought it was really visually stunning, but just some of the if you haven't seen it there's kind of a big age gap that i thought was kind of weird even though i guess that's not supposed to be the point of it but i still recommend maybe you see it like people yeah. should watch it
0: i definitely don't think the the age gap which has gotten a lot of talk yeah. and controversy around that i don't think it necessarily should deter you from watching the movie yeah. but if it is if it isn't your uh, thing that's completely fine i had an interpretation of it where it was I just love the the dynamic between Alana Haim and um, Cooper Hoffman, where yeah. it is kind of the thing where you are 16 or 17, and you feel like you know everything in the world. You have so much confidence. Yeah. You're about to end high school, and you look at a 25-year-old, and you're struggling. You don't know yourself yet, and it does feel like you don't know anything. So that dynamic is really interesting, and also... I should note I do love Paul Thomas Anderson. I love Philip Seymour Hoffman. It's great to see his son. That's I didn't know that. The, the face you made was amazing. You didn't oh know my that God. Was Philip Seymour Hoffman's son? No.
1: Um I'm gonna sound really stupid here, but I'm picturing someone in my head and I don't know if that's the right person.
0: Um so he You probably know him most from the Hunger Games. That's what I thought, yeah. yeah. Didn't
1: he die? Yeah. He yeah. died.
0: In, like, 2014. Rest in peace. Rest in peace. One of the great actors. Yeah. Of our day. Like, he's Damn. so good in Punch Drunk Love.
1: Actually, I did see that. I have
0: seen that movie, and it is pretty good. That's Paul Thomas Anderson, and then, I mean, Sandler is so good in that.
1: You know how I feel about Adam Sandler. <laughs> Everyone knows. But, yeah, it was good. Go see it.
0: Yeah. Natalie?
1: Um,
2: Recently, I have watched The Fallout with Jenna Ortega and Maddie Ziegler. Of course, I'm a fellow Dance Moms fan like you, Anthony. Oh,
0: well, you know, uh, growing up in Canton, Ohio, that's uh, what Damn. we call Candy Apple Country. True. <laughs> so we had to watch Dance Moms every week. My mom loves it. Uh, got, she got the whole family, really. It was mm-hmm. a whole family event.
1: Everyone was hooked on it? Everyone really? was. Really?
2: Have yeah. you ever seen Kathy in the grocery store?
0: Can't say I have, but I think one of my mom's friends knew her. Wow. Or knows her. So Quite you basically the connection. know her. I, so I'm basically a family friend of mm-hmm. the candy Got apple. Got it. Uh, I would, like, drive it, drive by it on my way to school. Mm-hmm. Very interesting.
1: No, I actually saw Kathy and Vivian at the Dollar Tree. <laughs> really? Yes.
0: Like, the one near Central?
1: No, it was the one near the mall. Oh. And I was too scared to say anything. What would I have said? Like How's Vivi's finger? Yeah, like, I don't know. Can she still dance? Well, I mean,
0: that's the question we're all asking. Of course.
1: Can she? I don't, I don't know. Could she ever? Not in that little bumblebee costume. No. I'll tell you that much. No.
0: But, I mean, Maddie Ziegler is an interesting person. Because, like, how old is she now?
2: I think she is close to Ari. She's yeah. younger. I think she's probably, like, 19.
0: That's so weird to think. I'm 19. Like, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, and, like, she, she's, like, a, friends with Sia. Yeah, she's the cover she... of her christmas album i think yes. yeah she, she she was in, in a, a lot of her music, music videos. videos yeah it's a very uh what did you think of the fallout how is maddie
2: um i think maddie did it was one of the best things i've ever seen her do because i've seen like a couple of her acting things i think it must have been on like other than this maybe like youtube series <laughs> and stuff like that but um i think she's definitely gotten better it looks like she's probably taken acting classes. Um. Mm but she played um a lesbian character oh really which i was like wow that's showing range because as far as i know she
1: like has a boyfriend and is heterosexual and she was pretty convincing i had no idea that she played a lesbian and i didn't get that far into it yeah um
0: I mean i have not seen it yet i do i was want
2: impressed to. by her performance however she was nowhere near as good as jenna ortega because she's just an amazing actress and like did a really good job i mean she's already
0: having a huge year like she was oh, in yeah. the new scream movie
2: yeah and even i think it was all because of um like her you season two kind of like debut. oh is she on you yeah oh season my god two. she was mm-hmm.
1: oh
0: i've never i've never seen you but.
2: good show good show
0: interesting and i I mean it is like a 90 minute movie which
2: yeah it was short it was quick
0: i just love a 90 minute movie
2: perfect timing
0: so great Mm -hmm. but i i guess out of all the things i've been watching recently the one that's most captured my attention is the new hulu show pam and tommy yes about uh pamela anderson and tommy lee uh gracie i know you've been watching it yeah how many episodes are you
1: in? I've watched all that are out right now. So oh, I think that's okay. four. Yeah.
0: I've only seen three. And Natalie, you've seen... I've seen one. Just yeah. the first one. So what do you guys think of Pam and Because I really like it. I'm really surprised. I kind of had low expectations going in, but it's really surprised me.
2: As far as the first episode goes, I can't say anything further than that. But I like that it's... I don't know if this is how it continues, but I like that it's more about Seth Rogen and not... Pam and Tommy. Honestly, mm. I think it's kind of more of an interesting thing to see, like a outsider's perspective, because like you can find a lot about Pam and Tommy just in the media and like looking back and stuff like that. So I think that's a cool little view. And Seth Rogen, like the costume, he's got a good mullet. Acting, he does have a good
1: mullet. He's a very good. He mullet. pulls it off. Yeah, he does.
0: Like I wouldn't consider Seth Rogen to be a construction worker but he pulls it off but now i do yeah yeah like i will say i i have been really surprised with seth rogan's uh storyline and i don't want to get too much into spoilers for your sake and for the audience's sake but um what i was worried about after that first episode that was so uh focused on rogan's story was i hope they don't i hope they don't dehumanize pam and tommy like you said there is so much you can know about Pam and Tommy, but I think you do kind of have to treat them like humans. And I was a little worried, but the second episode and the third really were really disarming, where they really bring you in to both of their psyches. And I think they do them justice in a way that does warrant some praise. I know Pamela Anderson has been very vocal about not wanting this show to be made. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. She had no, uh, consultation about it wow which i can kind of understand it's pretty graphic Mm -hmm. but um
2: but then you can kind of make the argument like how accurate and how truthful is this if they have no consultation with her
0: right that's that's the thing where there are a lot of like bio bio biopics or whatever where like you can tell that the alive people were really hands-on that's what i love most about like rocket man Mm -hmm. where like Elton John is very much involved with that movie's making and he's very open about his struggles and he's like, I want it all on screen. And that's where that succeeds over like a Bohemian Rhapsody, which is a pile of dog shit.
2: Wow. Hot take. Oh my God. I have to disagree. That is
0: potentially my least favorite movie of all time. Really? I'm a big Queen fan and I think it does Freddie Mercury so, so dirty what just
1: like making him look like an asshole
0: yeah because like there's so many scenes where you can tell the live members of queen are like oh we should have um i'm gonna do a bad british accent real mm-hmm. quick got it oh we should have um us leave the party and we should go to freddie and say you need to stop party in love
2: <laughs> so that was actually southern
0: it's it's that was kind of british
1: i don't know what it was i can do
0: a beetle accent but not british okay I can do water, but you know, besides the okay. point, I have a lot of problems with Bohemian Rhapsody, that being most of it where it does feel like the live members of Queen are just trying to make themselves look better than they actually do. And that was what I was worth, worried with with Pam and Tommy, but there are specific scenes, I don't want to spoil it, but the one where they're on the airplane, it was really heartwarming in a way I was not expecting.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. Another thing that I've really um, been getting into with Pam and Tommy is just like, all of the makeup and not necessarily like special effects, but just like Sebastian stands like the tattoos, yeah, the hair, the, I'm pretty sure they made like a whole um, forehead piece for Lily James to wear.
0: I mean, she's wearing and, like, like a whole fake new boobs. body. yeah.
1: And I don't know, they did a really good job with it and I'm excited for the next few episodes to come out.
0: Yeah. So you guys ready to talk Euphoria?
1: It's born ready. Because,
0: ready. I mean, there might not be a hotter show right now than what I call Youth. Oh, please. Youth. I call it Youth. <laughs> youth, the Youth. But um, I want to start this conversation by really getting some context on how we got hooked on the show and our thoughts with the show's first season before we really get into what it's doing in its second season. So, Gracie, what, what, what really got you to Euphoria?
1: Well, honestly, I kind of watched it late. I watched it during quarantine. Mm. Um, I'd heard a ton about it and I was like, okay, I'm finally, I think I'm ready to watch it. I had, of course nothing else going on. So, yeah. I watched it and I mean, I don't I don't even know. I just love the show so much. Like I've seen things like on Twitter and just kind of making a joke out of it being like I thought Euphoria was like glitter and like for the gays and now like it's just taken such it just feels so much darker now Mm -hmm. that it it's been i don't know it's been i don't want to say fun to watch and see the difference because it is so dark but i've been enjoying it i don't Mm.
0: know natalie
1: um
2: so i'm trying to think i think i started the first season like a couple maybe like a year and a half ago i started the first season and i just watched the first couple episodes because I didn't have Hulu yet, so I was um, doing it illegally. Um, got it. it. So I finally got Hulu and watched the rest of it. Not Hulu, HBO. Yeah. And um, I really liked it. I thought it was super interesting. And I assume it left on a cliffhanger. Like, am
1: I wrong? Uh, I
0: yeah. I mean, there was like
1: a million different cliffhangers. Yeah. But
0: so I've recently watched the whole show. So, oh, uh,
1: I think the final scene of season one was uh, all Jules. the people –
0: jules leaves rue at the train station but is what are you talking about
1: it was the
2: it sort was of like um uh, musical number us.
0: oh yeah. yes yes
1: with yes. all the people in the like you know how she wears like her dad's hoodie that mm-hmm. maroon hoodie like all the people dressed like her yes um i
0: think that's yeah, how it, it ended was, like, off i believe super that sounds right yeah up
1: to interpretation
2: yeah. and so that's why i like really wanted to continue watching the second season um and I feel like that last scene kind of gave us more of a clue into what we were getting into in the second season.
0: That's a fair point because
2: yeah. I think there's been a lot of like stuff that's up to interpretation again this season, like the scenes in the chapel and um the stuff that's like almost feels like real life but isn't mm-hmm. um so I think that that is an interesting aspect of the second season
0: yeah i mean i like i kind of alluded to i started watching it maybe a month and a half ago Wow! i had seen a few a episodes bloomer. a late bloomer for sure but second season was coming out i was like ah, i should probably watch this i got nothing else to do and it was kind of just an easy watch for me and I mean, it will show in this conversation, I don't have necessarily very strong feelings about the show. I'm very mixed, especially with the second season. But there was some some spark to the first season where you're, I think it really captures kind of that gossip of high school. Yeah. That kind of game of telephone that plays. And mm-hmm. I think that's where the filmmaking really shines. It really captures that in an electric way. But, and that really helps um, really capture that, Teen spirit when most of these actors are twenty five. That is true. But um, like I, I mean Zendaya is obviously great. Um, Sydney Sweeney, we'll talk about her later. But like, there was, I was, I really grabbed onto the performances of season one, and you know, I was cautiously optimistic for the second season. I'm not a big fan of uh, Sam Levinson, the writer director of the show. None of us are. Malcolm Memory sucks. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um. But, you know, I was, I was ready for a good ride, and it's been a very bumpy one, in my opinion. But, there, like, the episode five, the one two weeks ago, mm-hmm. was really good. That, that the, was Ruth centric The one that was Rue-centric, where she's running. Spoilers oh, okay. for Euphoria, by the way.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Okay, yeah.
0: But that episode really, it felt like, oh, you're kind of getting the magic from last season back. And this uh, most previous episode, there are some interesting things in it, but it does feel like the root ca co- the root problems of this season are kind of manifesting in a way I don't necessarily agree with. But
1: yeah, I I don't even know what it is about the show that like draws me in so much. Like I don't know if it's the casting or like because the plots themselves, a lot of them aren't that good. Right. <laughs> like. Yes. So I don't really even know what it is that makes me, like, so obsessed with the show and, like, willing to watch it, like, as soon as it comes out, every single week, whatever. I can't really put my finger on it, which is kind of weird. I don't... It's almost,
2: like, the world that they've created in its entirety. Like, first off, the casting is just spectacular. It's great. Like, all of the actors in that um, series are all amazing. And uh, along with, like all of the stage setup and the lighting and the cinematography and of course, like the makeup and costumes and nails. Right. Like there's such attention to detail and they really try to make it like, fit with the theme of euphoria. Yeah. It creates just a different world that you can like dive into.
1: I really like that. I I agree with you. Thanks. And like (laughs) another thing, uh going along those lines, the soundtrack. Mm. Oh,
0: without a doubt. That's a
1: spectacular whole other thing. Like whoever's in charge of that
0: oh I you recently heard her name. I forget it though. So good. She deserves
1: a kiss from like not even just uh like the outside soundtrack but like everything that Labyrinth like produces and oh. composes is just so oh, without a doubt good.
0: Um, the uh, supervisor of the music is Jen Malone. So Jen. Jen,
2: we love you, Jen.
0: Jen deserves a kiss.
1: She, she deserves
2: does. <laughs> many kisses.
0: But no, I definitely agree. I think, I think a part of it is, I mean, I do think Zendaya is a really great anchor for the show. And I mean, we could just talk for an hour, uh, giving her sweeping praises. But of course. I do think it really efficiently and swiftly set such a strong brand for itself where you can look at something and be like that's euphoria
2: that's completely true even you can look at modern fashion even in the past two two three years it's been incredibly influenced by euphoria like IMGA has been like this huge thing Mm. and glitter and sparkles and Every girl is putting eye gems on with her makeup, including myself.
0: Many euphoria parties. Many yeah. on euphoria parties. The Ohio State campus, yeah.
2: It's inspiring because, like I said before, it creates another world. And when you have that to go off of, you get to dive into
1: that little world yourself.
0: No, I think that's a really good point, especially the making another world. Like, I've definitely seen it be compared to a teenage fantasy.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure.
0: And I do think that's kind of. I think that's a big appeal for most people where it is playing on that. It's not not a truthful, it's not a realistic tale at all, but it is kind of digging at some emotional truths or like subconscious wishes and desires we would like high school to be or what we think high school is while we're going through it as three people who have recently left high school. We can kind of look back and be like, it's not necessarily like that, but there are things There's where it's
1: elements like, for sure. It
0: feels like the stakes are as high as it is as uh, Nate Jacobs puts a gun to his head. It's like sometimes there are like we make mountains out of molehills in high school, and this is just kind of showing that in a very subjective but fantastical ma- manner.
2: I completely agree with that. And looking back on high school, I think it's a really fun show to watch and indulge in because you can understand like from a high schooler's perspective like what those sort of things feel like but i also think it could be like potentially potentially damaging to someone who's like in high school because you're romanticizing all of these things like putting a gun to someone's head absolutely or being a drug addict or anything like that which is not necessarily one of the best things to be doing when you're a high schooler and very impressionable.
1: So Yeah. <laughs> I kind of think as unrealistic as it is what you said, there's there's aspects or feelings. But some of it, it's like I haven't seen the exact same things happen like at my high school. But there's definitely bits and pieces that I'm like, that's not that far off. From something that someone I know or someone I know knows, like experienced.
2: It's like the concept of um, in one of the season two episodes, Sam Levinson was saying how they had a bunch of, I think it was the end of episode four, they had a bunch of um, scenes where it was like the characters in a sort of situation that felt almost real, but you could tell it was fake. That I feel like that's almost a theme for the whole series because it almost feels like it could be something real but there are obviously aspects that you're like that would never happen in a real high school
0: no yeah i mean most of the stuff in the show as somebody who spent 12 years in catholic school i'm just like this might as well be star wars (laughs) uh they're wearing outfits i mean we just wore polos
1: no but like going well i didn't go to a public high school but I just feel like some of that shit is, like, like there's some out-of-pocket shit that happens at, like, public high schools.
0: Oh, without a doubt. Like, yeah.
2: I'd argue to say any
1: high schools. Yeah, I mean.
0: I mean, like, I would hear a lot of stuff about public high schools. It's like, there's no way that happened. And, like, it did. Yeah. And it's like, I mean, there definitely was stuff at, like a private school that could happen. Yeah. We had I mean, a lot of We're
2: talking drugs. That's what it's going to happen at the private schools. Well,
0: yeah, that's the thing. Out of doubt. That's the sneaky thing where we definitely had uh some drug run-ups. Drug... You
2: want cocaine, I can get it for you. <laughs> that's a joke. I have no idea where to we get We do not cocaine. endorse
0: <laughs> the consumption or uh distribution of cocaine.
1: <laughs> yeah, no. Um <laughs> But, like, I don't know. I know someone from who's our age in my hometown who, like, went to rehab for a drug problem in high school. And I remember hearing about it, and I'm like, what the hell? Like, because I was just so far removed from, like, that type of situation that I'm like, why is this happening? But it does, and it's scary, and it's
0: bad. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's another way that the show is really hitting – with so many people where it is kind of like I'm finally seeing that on screen. Yeah. Where I guess part of me is, has these expectations about high school in high school because I never saw anything through media that prepared me for something like that. So when I hear stories, I'm like, there's no way that happened. But now that there's a show like Euphoria, and like you said, Natalie, there is a lot of bad that uh, impressionable high schoolers could take from the show. But it is kind of interesting to have now a portrait of the ugly streaks. Of
2: yeah and i agree i do think it's important to show the ugly side because it's not all just always going to be rainbows and butterflies um but i do think it's important to explain that it's like not a good thing which i don't think that sam levinson does like a great job of
0: yeah so let's let's really get into the specific characters and the storylines of Euphoria, specifically season two, because I think we're riding a nice momentum with this. So let's let's start with what I consider and I think many consider the foundation, the anchor of the show, Rue and her relationship to Jules. How how do you guys think it's progressing? Do you like the turns the relationship's taking? Do you like, say, Elliot, the new character this season? Do you like his role in the whole thing?
1: Well, I just don't think like as wonderful as it is to see Rue and Jules together. I just don't think that in any universe that it will work unless Rue is completely, I don't want to say fine, but at least clean. And I think that their relationship will never work until that happens. And honestly, I don't see that happening. Mm. Um, and also, I feel like their relationship is almost completely based on, like, deceit. No, yeah. So, from both sides. And I I just don't think it's going to work, ever.
0: Well, I definitely agree. I think it is a doom relationship. Yeah. But my thing with this season is, I guess we're not really allowing that to show, because... You know, it may not be a successful relationship in the long run, but I think we should give it its due. And I think the addition of Elliot really shorthands that. Yeah. Where now, instead of, instead of the relationship ending because of what you said, because of deceit, because of the way they are both wired, and just the lack of compatibility in the end, it is now there is a clear scapegoat. It's this guy. And especially with a story with a lot of representation a lot of representational power in media, it does seem like a weird decision to just put a guy in the middle to create kind of artificial conflict.
2: I think you're right about that because now, even if you were to put a guy in the middle of it and he didn't really have a part in the destruction of their relationship, he was more just there and not really doing anything, but Elliot like, was doing drugs with Rue, which was a big issue between Jules and Rue. Right. And he, spoilers coming ahead, hooked up with Jules. Like, obviously, that's something that is separating the two of them. And Jules and Elliot, like, ratted on Rue to her mom about the drugs. All of these things almost feels like a manipulation to me rather than him just, like, falling into this place of, like, being between them in their relationship. So I think it almost, yeah, like you said, it feels like they're not giving Rue and Jules the time to just run through their relationship and have it fizzle out itself. They're like forcing it, not even forcing it to end, but it's like they're throwing a character in there who is choosing to end it. Exactly. Making a conscious effort to end it.
1: I just think with or without Elliot's character there, it, I, I still don't think it would have worked. I think there's you're so right. There's so many moving I, there, parts to it. You're like, right. Like, in season one, I yeah, like, I think when Jules, like, goes to the city and, like, hooks up with yes. that girl, like, like, not to say she hasn't always been loyal, but there's just been, like, little things like that that have happened, and then Rue has... The drugs. It's just like. Like I wish it would work. But I just. It's sad to see. And I want it to work. But I just think like. It's doomed. It's yeah. completely doomed.
0: R- right. And I think that is kind of to the credit of. Both Zendaya and Hunter Schaefer. Because they do have such chemistry. Yeah. On screen where you are inherently rooting for them. But obviously in the back of your mind. You're thinking of these things. Yeah. And I do think. It, it, it is kind of odd this season. They don't bring up. Uh, Jules going out and, like you said, hooking up with this other girl and all the other stuff that are coming by. Like there is so much there that now it's just Elliot's doing kind of the same thing. It's like we already have deceit there. Yeah,
1: it was already there. Now it's just this almost unnecessary because it's doubling down for no reason. Whether or not Elliot was there, it's like like Rue's gonna do drugs. Like she didn't need this person to do them with her because we saw uh, anyway she's gonna go seek seek it out with or without she was
2: doing drugs before they even introduced him into the season exactly he
1: really wasn't necessary right now that i'm really thinking about it
2: like it i truly believe that they only added elliot because excuse me (laughs) because he's a hot guy
0: yeah they um, needed one
1: more hot guy and they got him do you guys think anything's else is going to come from his character do you think we'll see him again in season two
0: well i think he probably should show up but i really don't i really can't get a grasp on his character i don't know if that's whether i don't know if it's uh the performance of dominic fike yeah right? the singer or the writing it's probably a more it's so boat, probably more maybe? so the writing but probably a combination of the both but i you know it is weird where i can't really decipher where he should be placed on the the chessboard, for lack of a better terms, because I feel like, I mean, we'll get to Cassie, but for all the faults she's had this season, I know now what Cassie does. I know her moves on the table. I don't know where yeah Elliot's going.
1: No, not at all. I
2: I've seen a lot of theories floating around the internet that um, Elliot could potentially die this season, which i don't know how much i believe but the fact that he came in this season and we aren't completely attached to him and he doesn't have any sort of storyline that like is necessary for the series to continue leads me to believe that it's like a possibility that he does die this season um makes sense because they could have a season three without him yeah without a doubt
0: they had a season one without him sure And uh, so recently a magazine came out uh, highlighting the women of Euphoria. And I can't find the quote directly, but they asked Hunter Schaefer about Elliot's character. And she literally had kind of a Freudian slip where she was like, you know, when Sam brought the idea to me, I was like, 'There's there's no real point to this. But then she, of course, she went like, but you know, they've really fleshed him out and I'm really happy with how it came. She's trying to save face, but it does kind of feel like They understand that. What what's his point? It it really is kind of. I'm so confounded every time he's on screen because it's like, are you just here to make them to pick fights between the two? Because the fights could come naturally.
2: I want to give the writers and Elliot the benefit of the doubt because. My thinking is that if he does die at the end of this season, if that somehow crazily happens, then they could use that as a major plot point for season three, and a lot of stuff could happen off of that.
1: That's true. That's
0: true. But
2: thus far, I I, I don't see why he's necessary. I think that we should keep watching and see what happens.
0: Right, we but have to keep that in perspective.
2: He's definitely, hasn't been necessary this season. Right.
0: Far. Now, let's let's pivot more towards Rue. How do you think, what do you think of Rue's uh, struggles this season?
1: Well, as you said, we could talk forever about how talented Zendaya is. Without a doubt. But I think, just some of the scenes, like her trying to open the candy wrapper, or her mm. her going through withdrawal. Uh, she's just so talented and like as much as i'm like fuck you Rue, you're you're such a bitch and you're you're this horrible person right now i still like have so much sympathy for her because i'm like well that's not you that's right. your addiction
0: exactly and, yeah you are not your addiction
1: and i don't know it's been really hard to watch just because it's such a like heavy subject but i think like I think what they've been doing with her is actually really good. I've liked it. I think that
2: Rue is the only character who's been properly thought out. Yeah. Absolutely. Because, I mean, obviously, like Zendaya, any character she's playing deserves this type of attention. But... um,
0: Shake it up. Shake it up.
2: (laughs) She is the only character who what's going on is like making sense minus her relationship with Jules and Elliot, which I think is just a completely separate thing. Right. But the scenes, like the, the fifth episode where it was super like Rue centric and it was all about her. Like you totally get to dive into what it's like to be an addict and you get the empathy for her, which I think is what the show is kind of all about is like gaining perspective especially with people for people with addiction um but i think no one else could do it like zendaya i think she's the only one who could be doing these performances the way she is like episode five when she was screaming at her mom and in her sister's room like breaking the fucking door holy shit that was amazing like she's getting another emmy i'm calling it now yeah most likely tone zone podcast natalie rose bovin says zendaya's getting another emmy
0: book it so i i'm glad you brought up those scenes the shouting matches between her and her mom i really enjoy this season the struggle between her and her family and especially the quiet moments Mm -hmm. like the last episode when um ali comes over and he's cooking and it is kind of a settle. Everybody's settled. Everybody's trying to just kind of forget the problems. And you can see happiness in a quote-unquote normal life is so within her grasp. Yeah. You can see it feels so natural when there are the quiet moments. Like in episode five, I believe, she says to um, Gia, it's a very small moment. I had to pick it up. No, uh, I think I know what you're she's talking She's like, I don't, know, I don't really know anything about you. Yeah. It's like, like,
1: I don't know what's going on in your life. Like, right. I, you and, can continue.
0: And that's, like, heartbreaking. It is. And it is a thing where it's, like, I trust the actors so much where you don't have to tell me anything else except that, and I get it all. And that's a credit to Zendaya. That's a credit to, I mean, Coleman Domingo, who plays Ali. It's a credit to, I've, I don't know the names of the actors who play her mom and sister. I know sister. Storm, Reed. Storm Reed,
1: Storm well, I'm not. Sure.
0: I'll look up her uh, mom. Her hers, mom's her mom.
2: Yeah, I don't know her. She's the also actress's stunning. name. Her character's name is Leslie. And let me tell you, Leslie has been doing a freaking fantastic job in these past couple episodes.
0: Like, Nika King.
1: Nika. Okay. Nika, so talented. Babe. You're
0: killing it. I will also say, the parents, especially recently, they've been really shining for mm-hmm. me. Re- Suze? Yeah. Oh.
1: So? Okay. I was actually going to say, like, in those moments, um, it doesn't make sense to me that he's able to throw in such good um, comedic relief, and then such horrible, just not funny, like, I know we're going to talk about this, but with Kat's character, trying to break up the serious with humor, it doesn't work. But when Suze is like, this bitch needs an exorcism, like, that's (laughs) so funny. And like... So I don't understand, like...
0: She's the one who, like, gives the bowls of... The bowl of knives Mm -hmm. to Lexi. Yeah, like,
1: my husband took me to AA. It wasn't for me. I didn't really like it. Like, it's just... It doesn't make any sense how some of it can be so good and perfectly timed, and then some of it's just horrible.
0: Right. I think
2: it's just a matter of how much attention they're giving each storyline. And Kat right now getting absolutely nothing. Right. But obviously, like, cassie's getting a lot of time right now nate's getting a lot of time right now which is why we see cassie and her mom nate and his mom and then obviously like rue and her family dynamic
0: right speaking of cassie and nate i think that's a good segue to really get into that There's side of the there. show because i feel like it going into the season this would not have been my guess but this is the most like Frustrating, but most interesting to talk about element of the show because it really is indicative of the show's faults, especially with Cassie. Like, I want to first ask you guys, like, what happened to her? Like, how do you feel about what they've done to Sydney Sweeney's character? Like, she's doing a great job, in my opinion, but the writing's not there.
1: If we're just going off like entertainment value, it's very interesting. Without a doubt. And it's very relatable to you know, what you were kind of saying, like, the love triangle. Like, I feel like if you haven't been in one, you know someone who's been in one, you've seen it happen at school, mm-hmm. whatever. So it's, like I said, relatable, it's entertaining. um, And the writing?
0: It's, because, like, in season one, correct me if I'm wrong, but Cassie is a very sympathetic character.
1: I need a refresh. I don't fully know if she stuck out to me as one thing or another like in season
2: one i think kind of she was very sympathetic in season one and i think we see that again a little bit in the scene where she's like rue just take it one day at a time
0: oh yeah Yeah. but like she's especially in that scene in that episode that is so deadly serious she's like the one comedic relief because mm-hmm. her performance she's going big with it and I don't think there's anything wrong with the performance because that's what's on the page but it does feel like every moment Sam Levinson can he's going to make her the butt of a joke and to me having season one fresh in my mind with her struggles with McKay it really feels like we're watching a different character we're I... watching a flattened cartoon version of Cassie
2: that's the best way to describe it. They've taken away so much of her character and given her the one, the one characteristic of being obsessed with male validation, specifically Nate's, which I think in some ways they're doing on purpose because that's how it is in real life. Like yeah. you can become right. so obsessed with the validation of one person that that's the only thing you are. You lose yes. yourself. You in lose the yourself doing that. And... Of course.
1: I don't know if that's, like, the point or if they just kind of drop the ball.
0: To me, it feels like they, when, when deciding what to do with the uh, season, they kind of came to a crossroads. It was either we, I don't know why it's a crossroads anyway, but, like, I'll get to that. But okay. it was Nate or Cassie. We gotta pick one with, We got to pick one to make complex and one to really make an archetypal character. And for some reason, they choose Nate. Like, to me, I'm personally fine if you're going to redeem Nate Jacobs in a broad sense, but you can't do it at the expense of Cassie, especially when you're promoting the show, rightfully so, based on its wonderful female performers. Sure. Because you have, you get into a thing where it's kind of false advertising and it's kind of spitting in the face of the fans, where it is like, well, maybe not have them on the magazine if you're going to make Cassie such a flat character. But what do you guys think about Nate's redemption?
2: I think it's a little bit of a reach Mm. because they made him such an unredeemable character that I don't understand why he was the one that they chose to redeem. I feel like if we're going for like a male character, they could have worked a little bit harder to redeem Cal because I think he didn't cross as many lines as nate did yeah as far as like just flat-out abuse um manipulation blackmail all of those cute little good things that he did his quirks his quirks um he does
0: he means well guys
2: but i almost think that like (laughs) the writers took it as a challenge like they were like how do we completely change million and millions and millions of people's views on this character who's completely irredeemable and make them like him, which I don't think that they've successfully done. Because I, I was going
1: to say that, yeah.
2: the only people who like Nate just like Jacob Elordi, which is completely understandable. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing yeah. wrong with that. It's a fine but name. they don't like Nate. They like Jacob.
1: <laughs> it's
0: think... so weird. They don't like Nate. They like Jacob.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he's hot.
0: No, because his name is Nate Jacobs.
1: Oh, I forgot about that. That's funny.
0: Yeah, but um, yeah. I mean,
1: I, I feel like for me at least, like I know she just said it. It hasn't worked for a lot of people, um, and I don't, I don't feel that at least for me, he's been redeemed. Like, I can see the effort that d- the writers are making to the try thing. and redeem and it's him. Just,
2: it's not working, and it's not gonna work. No, right.
1: but um. What do I think of Nate? Um, I think this episode that just came out on Sunday in particular was just like I was so uncomfortable watching it, watching the scene with uh Alexa Demi, um, and also the scenes with his mom, yes, and I think that. You know, like, what you guys were kind of saying, like, I feel like they're trying to make excuses for his behavior and rationalize, normalize it, whatever, and this is just kind of how I interpreted it. When they were having that conversation, his mom was like, there was a switch that happened when you were, like, eight or nine, like, almost baiting him, trying to get him to, like, give her an explanation. Like, I kind of interpreted it as, like, did something happen with your dad? You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. did he do something to you? My interpretation of that was
2: that eight or nine was the age where he found his dad's
0: videotapes. That's what I assumed, yeah.
2: But then, once again, that's giving an excuse for all of these things, which obviously, finding your dad fucking a bunch of people on tape is traumatizing mm-hmm. but but it still can't be used no. as an excuse for all of the things he did. No. It can it can definitely excuse some of it and I think if Nate's plot lines had been thought out more before, they could have explained him away and they could have redeemed him. But they can't do it now. Where they've put him or where at least they put him last season, you can't come back. From you that. can't come back from that.
0: I and even as they're trying to redeem him, he in the last episode in my opinion doing the russian roulette thing is kind of a place to no return oh my but the god the thing is yeah. the thing of with him he's had five of those points and it is like you said he's not necessarily redeemed but they are really trying to redeem him with this one shred of th- the whole like oh what if the whole childhood trauma potentially that can expl- that can move him more into a gray area of a character but it can't be the whole pie it can't completely redeem him and that's all they've been ba- that's all they've been basing it it's on.
2: even just the small moments like when he gives the tape back to Jules, yes and he's like everything i said was true they're that, trying and i'm like that didn't like, work bullshit like, yeah, no it's no. not i don't yeah. care like you, there's no reason that any of us including Jules, should believe you About anything. Mm -mm.
0: Right. And that is an interesting... His relationship to Jules is really not uh, discussed until that episode. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because in the first season, there is kind of the implications of his latent uh, homosexuality. Yeah. And um, there's been nothing about that. It's more just, let's throw that away. Let's make it the love triangle. And it's really kind of sanded off the edges to what was a decently complex, but in my opinion, irredeemable character.
2: I think also the idea of him being gay, they've sprinkled little like clues here and there just to make it more confusing. Breadcrumbs. Breadcrumbs. Right. Like the confrontation he had with McKay at the party in the first episode. What was that? the fuck was that about? That makes no sense. That's
0: a good point. Like, That is the thing, like, I've definitely seen a lot of theories Mm -hmm. with this season, and I think it's because the show does not know how to tie up its loose ends, so we have so many loose ends. Mm -hmm. Like you said, I didn't really remember the McKay thing. McKay shows up in this season, Mm -hmm. and not mentioned. There's stuff with, now they're finally getting into, like, Fesco and, like, Mm -hmm. the murder, and it's like, what? I mean,
2: McKay, I know the reason that he is no longer in the season is is it's a, like a vaccination issue. Like
0: oh, he didn't get that. He, va- get, he really? wouldn't
2: get vaccinated, so that's why he got kicked off the show. Really, and I think that's fine because he yeah. didn't really serve the plot anything no. else. Like after he stopped talking to Cassie, there was no more reason for no. him to be there. His character wasn't right, he and wasn't it was there. creepy. He was in college, still hanging out with high schoolers. So that's I think
1: what other people were you're saying done. to me, and it is weird. But honestly, I feel like it's kind of normal. Like, I yeah. know people who do that. I think you're right. I think... The um, hanging out with high schoolers? Like, when they come home over break, they're hanging out with their friends who are still in high school. Yeah. Like, no, a that's fair. Below them. Yeah. I don't know. I guess it's the Someone difference... Someone between... pointed that out to me, and they were like, it's weird.
0: But... I guess it's the difference between being around high school people when you're in town, but still having high school as a dominant part of your life sure that's and i think
2: it just like it seems like it's a dominant part of his life because that's the only like part we're seeing
0: he's only his character is only in commentary with cassie mm-hmm. which is fine for a show but also you do kind of get those questions where it's like what else is he doing uh it's kind of weird yeah, yeah. so you know, i'm fine he's gone from the show but there are a lot of loose ends like that
2: yeah i mean as far as his character goes the only thing that i'm disappointed in is that we never got any sort of insight into his mind when it came to like him getting assaulted. Like True. We only saw a little bit of Cassie's perspective on that, which I think was beneficial, but we got nothing on what McKay experienced, which is shitty because I think if you're going to show a male getting assaulted, I think that's a great conversation to bring up, but you're not going to elaborate it, elaborate on it at all. That's, Took a good point. It's just shutting down the conversation, which I think is kind of useless and
1: almost like I really don't like that. Negative, I feel like they do that so much. Mm-hmm. Just bringing things up. I think to if you're gonna bring such nothing, yeah, with it.
2: such serious things up, you can't just stop talking about it. Wasted. That's what the loose ends. That's why the loose ends piss me off. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, if it's something as small as. Actually, no, I honestly can't even think of any small ones because the first oh. thing that came to mind was like Cat with the Cam Man. I was about yeah. to say. How it's about interesting to say that. would that be to hear the rest of it? But no, they're let's,
0: not. Let's talk about Cat. Okay. Because mm-hmm. as Amazing. of recently, a loose end was tied up with her and Ethan. Mm-hmm. But
1: in the worst possible way. In the right, worst segue. possible way. Oh yeah. my
0: goodness. Horrible. Oh my
1: God. Like, not funny.
0: It, not funny. It's supposed to be funny. But it also is just kind of psychopath behavior. Yeah. It's gaslighting. It's it's she's it's a everything.
2: D1 gaslighter in Without that scene. But, and there's omg, so much so much more interesting
0: things to do with cat, mm-hmm. and it is like you were saying. Uh, it is behind the scenes. Uh, she didn't agree with um, her um, arc in season two, and Sam Levinson, in retaliation, cut her out for most of the season. Mm-hmm. So this is why we're kind of getting the bare bones cat storyline. But. There is so much interesting stuff in season one, like you were saying, with her online persona mm-hmm. that, you know, they they just choose completely to ignore it.
2: Mm-hmm. And I think everything they've done for Kat has just been a disservice to, like, the representation of plus-size women in media. Yeah. Because... In the first season, I think they may, they did something a little bit different, which was good. However, it is saying to plus size women or people in general, the only way you're going to be getting sexual attention is if you over-sexualize yourself and do all these things like the camming and the dressing up and all of these costumes. If you're anonymous.
0: Sure. Yeah.
1: That's an which is just not true.
2: Are. And then this next season... They just turned her into a bitch for some reason and a gaslighter. And I believe the thing that she disagreed with Sam Levinson on that led to her being just completely taken out of season two was he wanted her to have some sort of eating disorder. Ugh. We've seen it a million times before. Yeah. And why can a plus size person, their only fucking personality trait is having an eating disorder? Like, no, you can just be plus sized. And have other characteristics about yourself that have nothing to do with your body.
0: Right. And it's so indicative of uh, a lot of things being done to these characters where they're taking the most obvious route.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. they are. And We're, like yeah. in the first season, there's that whole, um, I guess, kind of explanation of her childhood, you know, when she went to Mexico, oh, like or the something. Pina Coladas or yeah. whatever. Yeah. And, and that was about her weight. Mm-hmm. And then a boy not liking her because of her weight. Mm-hmm. And then. I mean I don't know if there's was there anything else in there like that Oh, there was the scene um this season that I think it kind of made a good commentary about social media mm. um where they had all of those like Instagram influencers influencers or whatever come in and be like just be happy.
2: Mhm.
0: Just, no, yeah, that's a good point. I thought
2: that was kind of good. Yeah, I and think it, that's probably the best thing they've done for Cats so far. Um, that's and a it, good point. It was really interesting. I liked it. I thought it was a little bit weird because I don't know how well it fit into the episode, but I'm glad they put it in there. What was the context of that? Was it just her? It was kind of just her. I think it was supposed to be her overthinking in her room about ethan and how he likes her and she was supposed to have this low self-esteem and she was saying oh i hate myself and i think it was supposed to be like all of the social media influencers talking at her yelling at her like in her head yeah like being intrusive thoughts um which i think is a super interesting concept but it didn't totally make sense in the episode
0: yes and i think it's interesting now that i'm remembering this scene it is very interesting that the things these social media influencers are saying in kind of a heightened and uh somewhat comedic way yeah. is almost exactly how cassie responds to when rue comes in after her relapse mm-hmm. yeah she it's very like kind of the vapid like oh everything's gonna be okay rue Just
2: take it one day at a time
0: exactly and that's why rue snaps and it is also indicative of that's how far Cassie's fallen. Mm-hmm. That's she's being written like a comedic part, parroting social media influencers. It's really taken humanity away from her. But
1: I I think, and what I've heard pretty much everyone in my life say who watches this show is just how embarrassing as a character Cassie has become. Like mm-hmm. the way she's acting, which is sad because people go through that. Real shit, like
2: mm-hmm.
1: like people feel very insecure and are very insecure, but like they really just took her and made her into this just this hateable, right horrible person. I don't know. Which it does just suck so
2: bad because they put such an emphasis on the amazing female cast, and it's like you've dumbed two of those women down to like these horrible horrible characters yeah. that have nothing like there's no dimensions to them at all
0: no. yeah uh before we wrap up i, I want to touch more on maddie because i think oh, she's yeah. going in an interest uh, an interesting place and it kind of ties into um ties into what we want to see for the rest of this season and the rest of the show as a whole but starting with maddie and it really is kind of in relationship to Uh, Cassie kind of ends Cassie, starts the conversation on Maddie. This is uh, from um, Esther Zuckerman, a great writer. She's talking about what's so wrong about Cassie. and I'm just going to read this quote. As Levinson Levinson strives to bring more depth to Nate, a bully and abuser whose actions have been unmistakably evil, Cassie has become a one-note disaster of a human being. Season one proved Nate was an irredeemable blackmailer who nearly strangled Maddie, consistently plotted to ruin the lives of his peers but he's framed as the quote-unquote reasonable one in this fucked-up love triangle. And I do think this season really frames Nate as the end in, uh, beginning and end of both Maddie and Cassie's psyche. Yep. Now, to be fair, season one, it was kind of that for Maddie, but they really haven't yet done anything interesting with Maddie as her own person. What do you guys think about Maddie?
2: I am excited to see what they do with her as her own person because I think, I mean, this past episode, what was it, episode six? Yes. Yeah. Yep. We were waiting to see what is Maddie gonna do to Cassie. How is she gonna handle this? Because that was gonna be something that was completely her own decision, and we didn't see that. So I think eventually, Maddie is going to pull out some amazing plan. I think that she's going to get Nate back. I don't know what's going to happen with her and Cassie, but something's going to occur. And I'm excited to see her be her own person. But I just hope that they don't strip her down like they did to two other characters so
0: far. Right. Gracie? Yeah,
1: I, I think they kind of have her right now in this perfect neutral position in that she's seemingly lost everything like the guy she's in love with and her best friend and as a character that was basically it for her nothing yeah. else is really coming to mind and so now they have her here I think something weird is going to happen in regards to uh, the, the mom that she babysits yes. for the mom that she babysits for Um, and also we kind of got a hint of this in one of the first few episodes but I really enjoyed seeing kind of the budding friendship between her and Jules. Yeah. So maybe mm-hmm. something with that would be nice, maybe refreshing to see. Um, but that's I a don't good know point. yet.
0: And that's interesting because those are two characters really on the same level. Like you said, yeah. they're kind of in a neutral place right now. Yeah. So it would be interesting to see how they interact, their dynamic. But the, the mom she's babysitting for, Yeah. I think there's a lot of interesting stuff with that. For Especially sure. in the last episode, where she reveals that oh, I basically did what Cassie did.
2: Yeah, I think it's a good way for Maddie to find perspective in her current situation with Cassie,
0: mm-hmm. because
2: she's seeing like, um, or in in her brain, this woman is everything that she wants to be, and she's seeing that she is Cassie in her own situation, her own universe. So yeah. I think that that is. Um, Maybe it honestly might change her mind. Like, I think all of us think that Maddie is going to just explode on Cassie. But maybe that little talk with the mom she babysits for is going to somehow change her thinking. And she's going to step back and take a walk in Cassie's shoes and maybe even feel some empathy
1: for her. That would interesting. Definitely be interesting, especially because she was portrayed in that one scene, that montage of her beating other girls up. Yes. And they made her seem like there was all this hype that I feel like maybe the Euphoria fans and I guess the, the show itself kind of created like we all, like you said, had the expectation that she was just going to fucking like... End her right like and she was a wrecking ball. ball. Yeah, maybe that just won't happen at and all. And
2: I also like the idea that that wouldn't happen because I also saw it's been a big conversation on like TikTok and stuff that Maddie's just fitting this aggressive, crazy like Hispanic stereotype. Oh, without women, a
0: doubt, yeah.
2: Which I think to a certain extent can still be interesting, and you can take that in like other routes and stuff. But I do think that it's damaging, like obviously not every Hispanic woman has to be like some aggressive person, so I think the idea that she could change would be interesting and give another dynamic, but I'm also scared that they're not going to wanna to give her that,
0: yeah no so i think I think it is I think she's definitely in a place where she can really go anywhere, yeah, and it is fascinating to see how she responds to certain revelations about her relationship to both Nate and Cassie. Mm -hmm. Because that mom, I don't know, I don't think, have we told her name? I'm not sure. But like, there was a lot of interesting stuff in this last episode. Like, the reveal that there's a camera. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Why hasn't she said anything? Because
0: this is the thing. I think she likes it. Because it's like, oh, this young girl aspires to be me. Yeah. And I got my own shit going on, but it is nice to know that, like, I am the aspiration of somebody. Yeah, I'm the
2: goal. I mean, I think it's also definitely just a way of like her reliving her
1: youth, without a yeah.
0: doubt. Yeah, and it is interesting there, how
1: there could even be something darker there. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I feel like with this show, nothing is off limits. Yeah. Absolutely nothing. How yeah. just kind of out of pocket and weird and stupid things can get. So I feel like nothing's off limit like I said. It could it could be something weird. I mean she is. How old is Maddie supposed to be? Is she uh,
0: so, Oh, I just looked this up. 17. She, 17 I think she's so she's supposed to be the same age as Rue. Cassie's a mm-hmm. senior, I believe. They're uh Rue's a junior. Mm-hmm. Um I thought
2: Maddie and Cassie, Cassie were, were seniors. seniors.
0: They may be. Okay. But I remember somebody's a junior. One of the, I don't remember. Whatever. Lexi
1: and Rue. Yeah.
0: Lexi and Rue are the same age, yeah. Oh, before we end, there was a big moment in episode mm-hmm. six between Lexi. Stand by me. Stand by me. So what do we think of Fesco and I'm Lexi? I'm
2: blushing just thinking about it.
1: Well, let's be real. Fez is not making it to that play. Please no. don't say that to me. Bro, his house is, he's about to get raided. Mm-hmm. Are you kidding? They
0: just set that up.
1: I know, but I don't
2: want to acknowledge it. Flowers I know. with her freaking name on them. I know. Him and his little tux. I know. <laughs> he held her hand. I know. They both cried
1: at Stand I By know. Me. That's a wonderful movie. I would cry. It's just sad because I, I just feel like everything that the audience wants. They don't want to give you. It's so frustrating.
0: I, well. I I think it, I think the romance is really effective because it is one of those things where it's like you wait six episodes before they even glance at each other, yeah. Yeah. and there's so much power to that. Yeah. So like when they're when they have the stand by me moment, it is like oh my goodness, mm-hmm. there's such a charge to it, and you know it's one of the things where like at the beginning of the season, I was like I really like Lexi. You know she really hasn't gotten a, sc- a lot of screen time, but uh I think there's some interesting things and. I think they've. I think the whole angle of her doing a play is kind of interesting.
1: That is gonna be so fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just them all realizing, like, like, what's gonna come out of that? Them all realizing that it's about them. Yeah. I'm. I'm just so good excited good. that Lex. That's is gotta gonna be, be the
0: season finale. Yeah. I, don't,
1: I,
2: I don't think. think it's next so. week. I
1: don't think so. Is it next week? Yeah.
0: yeah. Wait, how many episodes are there this season?
2: Ten, I think.
0: Oh. Interesting. That's gonna be. That's next week. um, No. (laughs) Got it. I I haven't watched the specials either.
1: Well, in the little like preview for next week, Mm. it was all the play. Interesting. Mm -hmm. You should watch those.
0: You know, it was late. I watched the Super Bowl. I was kind of tired. Okay. (laughs) Well,
2: I'm excited to see it. I think it's gonna be. I think it's gonna stir up a bunch of new stuff, which is exciting. But then it also, still, I have that little fear in me of they're just going to leave all these loose ends just hanging around.
0: I am also cautiously optimistic.
2: Cautiously optimistic. I think that's a strong theme for this series. Without a doubt.
0: So before we wrap things up, do you guys have any final words before we part?
2: Thanks for having me. I had so much fun. Yeah, same.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Touching last words. From Natalie and Gracie.
2: Naked Nate Jacobs is crazy. Jacob Elordi's hot. And so is Fezco. (laughs) Per.
0: Getting to the meat of things. Natalie and Gracie. Thank you guys for coming on. It was a pleasure. You guys are welcome back anytime. I know Natalie, you want to do the Taylor Swift episode?
2: Oh, I'll be there.
0: I'm absolutely down. I
2: am the Taylor Swift episode.
0: Well, I don't know about that. I'll be there. I'm I'm a Swiftie. Okay. All right. I'm also a Swiftie. <laughs> we're all Swifties. But yeah, th- again, thank you guys for coming on. It I had a great mm-hmm. time. Me too. Time just flew right by and yeah, this is the Euphoria episode. We'll probably I mean maybe do like a little catch up at the end of the season. See if we were right on some things, who knows. Yeah, sure. But um yeah, thank you for tuning in and I hope you tune in next time. See ya.